Hello and welcome to the Common Geeking Program. We are a book club podcast where each week three of us will read up on a topic and then discuss it from our own geeky and nerdy perspectives. This week, I am your host. My name is Jeff. And uh, this we're rolling around again to do our listener pick episode. And the the, the topic this week is the Adventure Zone, specifically the Balance Arc, so their first major campaign, and we'll explain what that means in a sec. Trace Horny Boys. Trace Horny Boys, yeah. <laughs> um, and this topic was submitted by Jonas Hassan, is that his name? Hassan? Yeah, I think that's how you announce it, yeah. Don't you know him? Yeah, I do, but I don't, like, call him Mr. Hassan all the time. I call him Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I was real ready to just guess because I knew you'd know his name. And then you're like, yeah, I think that's it. This <laughs> well, person I mean, who I know in, the in same real life. Way, in the same way, I'm often unsure, like, about my last name and if I'm pronouncing it right. Yeah. <laughs> Mossbarger? Is that right? Yeah, it's long in German and uh, who knows. Oh, it's, it's a hard G, right? I always get this mixed up. Mossbarger. Yeah. Well, I mean, how would be a soft G? What would a soft G sound? Mossbar. Mossbarger. Mossburger. Jer. Mossbarger. Mossburger. Yeah, Mossburger. <laughs> anyway, uh, as you've heard their voices, I'm joined by two people, <laughs> each of whom have selected a topic that connects to our topic this week. And they are, we're going to go Laura, then Ryan. Hello! Um, I'm Laura. <laughs> I feel like it's been a while since I've done that. It wasn't even, hello, it was, <laughs> Like, there were barely two syllables in that word. Gonna turn my, gonna turn my headphone volume down a little. Down just a little bit, yep, smart, smart, smart. <laughs> uh, to, so, hi, I'm Laura, uh, and today I will be repping the podcast Wonderful, which is also by one of the makers of The Adventure Zone. True facts. And our second person. Hi, my name is Ryan Mossbarger, and I will be presenting uh, the dra- TSR's Nay. I guess, is that how it works? I guess it would be more along with Wizards of the Coast Nay TSR's Dragonlance series. More specifically, I kind of feel like the first Dragon, bit of that so was not English to my brain. I was just like, you're saying things and like, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was like, I was just like, he's saying words, but I don't it understand. It was originally <laughs> owned by TSR, which is the original uh. like OG D&D company before it was bought by Wizards of the Coast. Oh, okay, and now okay. it is Wizards of the Coast, though I don't technically think they own the rights to Dragonlance. I think they lease them out to a separate company, but it's a little complicated. We don't have to worry about that. All right. But well, TSR yeah. slash is it a, is Wizards it a game? of the Coast. Is it a book series? What is it? Uh, the Dragonlance is, well, the Dragonlance universe, it is a game universe, hmm. and it is also a book series. All right, well, we'll get into it later. Amongst other things. <laughs> anyway, all right, so we're going to start by summarizing <laughs> our topic and domains before we openly discuss, and then, finally, we'll close with a competitive rating section to determine which one of these fools best contributed, and whether or not they enjoyed today's topic. We're, we're going for fucking uh, round two for my hosting the listener pick, and I'm much more pleased <laughs> with you the, the selection uh, this time uh, around. Dota <laughs> 2? Yeah. Dota 2. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. was on the Dota 2 adventure as well. It was not smooth. Ryan and I are, are, are going into round two for our being nice. on the same listener pick episode. Um. But yeah, I think we'll we'll move on into the summary I so guess. we can talk a little bit Woo. about our new topic. Um, I do Woo. have the Wikipedia pulled up if we, which just gives a brief description of the various arcs. If we want me to kind of go through them, that is great. 
Yeah, I probably will at some point because I f- also forgot the name of the original, um, like the what the first arc is based on, the, like the real D and D book. It's like something of Fandolin. It's the Mines of Fandelver. Lost Mine of Fandelver. Get it right. I got it. Mine of fin- Mines of Fandelver. <laughs> so now to upstage what we did to Colin, who like who do we have to get Jeff to call a threat into? Oh God! Hmm. <laughs> this is gonna be every a thing every time Laura and Ryan are on an episode together. Is we have to we have to get someone to threaten. You have to get the third person to threaten just some some company or some person. I, mean, I don't know. If we threaten the, <laughs> I mean, it will definitely get some notice. And hey, well, any publicity really? is good publicity. I don't know. I think that there are probably an inordinate amount of threats to our current. You know, like, it's yeah. not a very uncommon thing, I would assume. Also, edit that out. I am government-adjacent employee. <laughs> <laughs> this is... Obvious uh, joke alert. <laughs> yeah, this is before. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get started. We are in the summary now, so we're going to be fucking yeah. summarizing this mother. Uh, we're talking about The Adventure Zone, which, for those of you who don't know, is a podcast. Um, it is a real play D&D podcast uh, focusing, well, the, the people who are playing are the quite podcast famous McElroy brothers and their father. Um, so yeah, basically Griffin is the dungeon master, Griffin McElroy, and then Justin, Travis, and their dad Clint are the players. And we, we can talk a, you know, a little bit about their characters later, but, um, the, so it, it's kind of split into several arcs. The Adventure Time is still running. The Adventure Zone. But they're no longer in what is now referred to as the balance, the balance campaign. Yeah. Also change um, systems as well. Yeah, yeah. So they're not doing D and D anymore. But we're just talking about the the D and D section, which is called the Balance Arc. Um, and the Balance Arc is split into several different arcs. Yeah. Laura has them up. You want to just yep. like? I'm gonna blast through these real the quick. Names. Uh, it started with "Here There Be Gerblins," uh, and Do then it. they right. And that one is that one is based off of like an actual um, yeah. like actual like D and D. They started off yeah. playing like the the starter set for uh, D and D, the Lost which is, Mine of Fandelver, uh, the something of Fandelver. Yeah. Right. So it started there, and then after that, it kind of went buck wild, and Griffith brought Indeed. it into his own story, and you know, like retrospectively incorporated some of the things from that. Um, but yeah, list the rest of them. I won't interrupt you between each one. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, then there is a, the uh, blah 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 boo. I I fucking trusted you, Laura. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> why. That was an interesting title. I told you that I wasn't even a human anymore. <laughs> After here, there be gerblins. So what I was trying to say. We have boop a boop boop uh, Listen, you can't cut that out. It's fine. I, I can, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Between each of the major story arcs, they do like these moonlighting episodes, uh, which are a couple episodes where they just kind of like level up and take care of business, the, but it's set within the yeah, universe. Yeah, they call them so, lunar, lunar, interludes. lunar interludes because they're on the yep. moon. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so then there's a lunar interlude. Uh, then there is Murder on the Rockport Limited. The next mm-hmm. major arc is Petals to the Metal. Uh, the next one is The Crystal <laughs> Kingdom. Uh, next is The Eleventh Hour. 
Next is The Suffering Game, uh, The Stolen Century, and then the final arc is Story and Song. And um, depending on how quickly we breeze through the rest of the summary, we can probably talk go in a little bit to like what the arcs are mm-hmm. like in each of those. Um, so the two things I want, definitely want to cover are the three main characters and the um like the overall sort of kind of plot of the adventure zone so to start off with the three main characters we have um gosh magnus burnsides who is played by travis mcelroy we have taco taco it's taco taco it is taco taco it's taco taco (laughs) it's taco but it's spelled different but the last name is taco (laughs) oh i meant to mention this earlier but we actually had an episode of the podcast about the adventure zone a little while ago talking about like more of the gameplay aspect of it i think it was episode 31 um so sorry if that's rehashing a little bit but we're different people so we're we're gonna we're gonna go through some of it again um and the last character played by clint mcelroy is Merle High Church. It's High, high Church. church. Yeah. I, I forget because he screws <laughs> it up like every time he says it. And their characters are actually based off the introductory characters that comes with the Lost Minds of Fandelver. They just oh, changed really? the names I didn't know around. That. Yeah. I thought- I, oh, I guess I knew that for, but Travis made his own character, right? Like Magnus Burnside is not. I think so. Yeah, off. I think so. Because he got really into it. Because I think he'd played once or twice yeah. before. Yeah. So none of them. Had, yeah, Travis and Griffin had played a few times before, but uh, Justin and Clint had not. So it was kind of interesting to see sort of the progression towards sort of like kind of learning the game as they go along. Mm. Um, and if you know D and D and you listen to the Adventure Zone, I think you know that like they end up kind of playing it pretty fast and loose with the rules yeah our uh, griffin does in in order to make more like sort of eloquent stories and you know get rid of some of the kind of like minute to minute minutiae that D ha- tends to have which i think is a, overall a good decision but um yeah so the the overall plot of it is they go on these several different quests or they go on their first quest and then they're contacted by um, this person called the director who works on the moon with like a secret organization that is like devoted to finding these uh grand relics. Uh, one, two. I think there's like eight, seven, or eight. Seven. Yeah, yeah that sounds eight, right. I think. Yeah, I think that the, yeah, eight grand relics, which are these like super powerful objects that have that hold the potential to like really fuck up the world. And then there's this other element of um the Bureau of Balance, which is the organization has this like mystic kind of like giant space jellyfish that can like erase people's memories and according to the director there was like a huge war and well, this doesn't erase their memories it erases their kind of it you can't even say them or hear them mm-hmm. if right you yeah, aren't yeah aware of it yeah if you you haven't imbibed the jellyfish icker right yeah so it, it kind of like erases the public consciousness of memory so that they can kind of discreetly go to try to find these relics and no one remembers that they exist pretty much. Um, so that that's like a whole element of it. So then basically each arc is the the brothers. Well, they're not brothers in the game, but the, you know, the Merle. Trace horny boys. Trace horny boys, as they refer to themselves, go and try to find each relic in each arc um, and bring it back to be destroyed. Uh, and... Uh, there's some some pretty significant plot twists late in the game, but I don't know if we really need to get into those. Probably not. The basic plot of each one. Well, the first one, they're just kind of doing the, the D&D quest, so it's like pretty basic stuff. They have to fight this guy named the Black Spider and try to find this powerful gauntlet 
Um, and yeah, then it's pretty much the mainline story until they meet Clark. Clark. <laughs> and that's when even even Griffin is like, when I had to come up with the name of that character off the top of my head, that's when I decided that this series was going to go a drastically different direction than what was published material. <laughs> yeah, Clark is a fucking great. My name is Clark. Did you just throw my dog? <laughs> Reoccurring character. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then, gosh, what is this? What's the second? Murder on the murder. Yeah. Right, right. So not that on that one, they are invest. They are trying to protect a powerful item that is on a train car, and there is a murder. So it's kind of like a who done it? Who done it? And they on have a to- train. It's so fun. Yeah, Griffin yeah. had been reading a lot of Perot novels. Yeah. So, <laughs> or Poirot. Poirot? I think Poirot. We say Poirot. Poirot sounds yeah. more accurate. I haven't seen yeah. it written, Poirot. but Poirot sounds more like a name than Poirot. <laughs> no, I think it's French. I think it is Poirot or something. Oh, it, weird. Poirot. Okay. Poirot. I think it's Poirot. Poirot. Anyway, anyway, I, I, I sound like a French. While they're on the uh, Rockport Limited, they meet the world's greatest boy detective, Angus McDonald, oh, yes. who ends up being like a huge character. Ango, my favorite character. Yeah. yeah, he ends up. Yeah, so in a later arc, he ends up being incorporated into the Bureau of Balance and becomes like a, a long-standing character. He's just this this little kid who like really looks up to them, <laughs> but is also like significantly smarter More than anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Griffin's explanation for Angus is pretty funny. He's like. I created that character because I thought you guys would be too dumb to solve the mystery. <laughs> <laughs> kind of right he was. Oh, no, they actually did. They were the ones who they ended, ended up, up getting it, it out. In the end, and, yeah. At yeah. least in that case, right? Angus helps them a lot later. But um, yeah, and then the third one, Pedals to the Metal, is uh, it's basically like a crazy race sort of situation. It's a Fast and Furious ripoff, as yeah, Griffin yeah. puts it. And, but it also has this element of like the, the relic in that one like controls nature, so... That there's like a lot of like horrible shit happening with like vines mm. and flowers, so it's petals to the metal. Yeah, it's, yeah, petals I thought that one was really metal. clever. It's cute. The next one, uh, the Crystal King. Uh, yeah, yep. Crystal Kingdom's yep. next or Eleventh Hour? Okay, yeah, Crystal Kingdom, probably my favorite arc. Yeah, the music's good in that one. They're going into the laboratory of a Bureau of Balance associate. He's not a member, but he's like a scientist. And then he, it ends up being revealed that he's, like, experimenting with one of the relics that they didn't know was found. And uh, it's resulting in some weird shit happening where, like, his entire laboratory is, like, turning into crystals. And there's, like, these golems showing up. There's, like, a lot of, like, overarching kind of um, narrative stuff that's revealed in that mm. arc. And a lot of pretty significant things. Uh, so that one was pretty cool. Um, it also probably my fight my like some i laughed the hardest during that one just because like at the beginning of that arc they uh they revealed this like other team of bureau of balance members that are that are like gonna go assist them right and so what they one of the things that they constantly do is they take uh the names of like people who who tag them on twitter right to make them as characters and someone named something boyland uh, talk to them, and then they have this like this gruff dwarf, and, the, and he's just and he's like they describe him as like really gruff and kind of like manly man. And he goes, "My name is Boyland," <laughs> and I was on the way to work when that happened, and I was like, I had to when I got there, I had to just wait a few minutes because I was actually fucking crying <laughs> from how hard I was laughing at that joke. The arc after that is the eleventh hour, in mm-hmm. which they are in a little Groundhog desert. Day. Yeah, they're in a little desert town, and uh, at the end of the day, it it ends up like everyone dies, and it 
jumps back in time and repeats itself and they have to keep doing it over and over again until they get all of it right and they can stop it. Um, that one, that one's really cool. It explores a lot of really cool mechanical stuff. Um, the one after that is, I don't remember what it's called. I remember what it is. That's the, the circus one, right? Uh, that one is the suffering game. Suffering yeah. game, oh, yeah, right. The suffering game. God, that was a that fucking was crazy. emotionally difficult to listen to, honestly. Um, they, they're looking for this relic and they go into this, like, this crazy fucking necromantic carnival where they have to play a series of games and like wager important aspects of their life like their age and their limbs Mm. and they end up getting like pretty beat up um the one after that i think is uh, the missing the stolen century yeah that one is pretty spoiler heavy they they kind of stepped away from classic D&D rules in mm-hmm. the Stolen Century and kind of went more towards the, I believe they were starting to use Monster of the Week rules in that one, right? That one, yeah, I think it was inspired by Monster of the Week style, but Griffin actually like wrote the rules for that no, one. No, it, it's a, it's a, it, the Monster of the Week uses a rule set. I think it's called Something of Chaos or something. Oh, like yeah. That. yeah. Oh, uh, it's a, it's right. a 3D6 rolling thing that a lot of people have adapted. It's open source. So a lot of people have adapted and created a, mm. a bunch of different games. Mm. Right, um, so he of used that, but it had, like, other elements that he had created with, like, the... I, I forget, there was, like, three aspects that you'd, like, gain bond or right. gained. That was something that Griffin made up, I'm pretty sure. Um, but do we do we, do we uh, want to just get into get into to deep, rich spoiler territory and say what that one's about? Because I think that is actually probably where the story gets the most, like, meaningful. Yeah, I mean, it definitely does. I don't know. I mean, yeah. So let's say, spoiler alert here... Yeah, okay, so on with that. Uh, so it is revealed at the end of the 11th hour that um, there were... Th- so there was this evil organization supposedly called the Red Robes who um, were, who were their, kind of their antagonists the entire time and the director like warns them to stay away from them, blah, 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 right? And it's like slowly revealed throughout the 11th hour and the suffering game that, in fact, the Red Robes were actually them and... Uh, a few of their other of their friends, including the director, like guy named Davenport, who only says his own name. <laughs> Davenport, Davenport. <laughs> and Barry Blue Jeans. And Barry Blue Jeans, who is in the first episode, and and uh, Taco's twin, who is erased from his memory, Loop. Loop. Um, so the Stolen Century is basically a huge flashback um, that that like they were from another world and. They end up getting stuck in this crazy time loop against this evil thing called the hunger where they have to like go to a different plane and try to uh, recover this thing called the light of creation. And it was this endless loop where they'd be in a different world for a year and then they would like wake up back on their ship and everything was terrible. And then eventually once they get to the land of what is Phandalin, is that what the world is called in? The Adventure Zone? I can't remember. I'm blanking on the name of the world, but it, it's the D&D world. Oh, but, it's the D&D world. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because but... they talk about the Rockport Limited goes into, I think, um, oh, okay. into one of the major cities in D&D. Anyway, so when they get there, they devise this plan to split up the, the light of creation into these, um, into these eight objects. Each one of them created their own. So there were eight of them and then eight of the, the, the grand relics. And then that kind of broke the loop and caused the hunger not to be able to find them, which is why they're living in this world ever since. But the, uh, Lucretia, who is the director, ended up like thinking it was a terrible idea because these Grand Relics were super dangerous, and she was kind of right. 
So she mm. went through her own plan and she basically like wipes the memory using the void fish, which they had encountered on an earlier world. She wipes the memory of like all of them. And she's trying to trying to like get all the grand relics back together to use them in her own plan to defeat the hunger. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, they're both good guys, but they have different intents on how to beat the bad guy. So then that, that that's the whole grand relic. And then the last one, the story, the um, the day of story and song, is that what it's called? Or is it just story mm. and song? Yeah, I think it's just, is basically, just story and song. Yeah. Uh, the hunger showing up because Lucretia, Lucretia has successfully duped all of her friends into getting all of the relics back. And they all have their memories back now from the stolen century and everything. And they're basically fighting the hunger in the in the last arc. Um, and then that that is the balance campaign. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And we're a little bit over time. So I think we're just going to fucking push on from there. Push it real good. <laughs> push it real good. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so with our ta blah, 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 with the fucking di- thing, <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> with that topic summarized, we're going to be going into <laughs> the domains where uh, thankfully I don't have to speak as much for the next 10 minutes or so. Uh, so, <laughs> Laura, why don't you talk about what you've brought to the table today and kind of yeah. Yeah, hit, hit me up so I don't have to talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you may have noticed at the beginning of this episode that we normally have a pretty defined topic and theme. Yeah. Uh, but since this is a listener episode, we didn't really have a defined theme and we were kind of chit-chatting about some things and we were kind of talking about positive storytelling. Um, as a potential theme, which is why I chose the podcast Wonderful. Um, we didn't like solidly land on that because we figured like, why not just talk about the Adventure Zone and we can discuss. And we're then... just gonna kind of let it lead us where it's gonna, yeah. where it's gonna lead us. Yeah. So the reason I chose the podcast Wonderful, which has absolutely nothing about to do with D and D or really storytelling that much, is <laughs> because we we're talking about positive uh, positivity because kind of an option. Um, so Wonderful is a podcast that is also Griffin McElroy, um, but it's with him and his wife, Rachel. Wonderful started out as their bachelor and bachelorette fan cast called Rose Buddies. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, where... yeah. I know, I've heard of Rose Buddies. <laughs> I, I didn't know they changed the name. Um, so they list, they watched The Bachelor and Bachelorette and then recapped the episodes and they did that for several years. Um, and then as The Bachelor and Bachelorette started to get a little bit more questionable <laughs> and there was this whole problem where one of the cast members on The Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise was claiming sexual assault and things got really weird and sketchy. Yikes. Um, oh, I heard about that too. They were like, we just don't really enjoy the show the way that we used to and we really want to bring positivity into our lives. Like we don't really need to be rehashing something that we're like not 100% sold on anymore. Um, and so they changed their podcast to something called Wonderful, which is literally just them talking about things that they think are wonderful <laughs> every week. That's great. And it's amazing. And so the format is each of them brings two things that they find wonderful. They do like one after the other and they don't talk about it beforehand so that they're kind of learning together mm-hmm. um, or they're like sharing new pieces of information with each other. And then there's a little bit now kind of in the more recent episodes that they do small wonders. So like maybe the big topic is a new band that they really like or something else. But the small wonder will be like, oh, I really love when like I make just the right amount of coffee or whatever. <laughs> so it's like not. <laughs> yeah, it does sound pretty, pretty beaming with positivity. <laughs> 
it is and it's really uh quite enjoyable and uh, i think one of my favorite episodes was right towards the beginning um and i want to give an example of one of their wonderful things mm-hmm. i'm just trying to scroll back to see how early it actually was if you enjoy the common geeking program make sure that you rate and subscribe <laughs> hey even ask questions about our upcoming topics if you reach out we'll answer <laughs> Oh, that's a good point. Do we have any for later? In we this have episode? we have a singular question okay, from good. the uh, the uh, the listener actually gave another oh, from question. Jonas? So, okay, yeah, cool. We can answer that one. I can provide if, if you, you have it up. Cool. But yes, yeah, sorry, Laura, continue. Okay, sorry, that took me longer than expected. It was actually the second episode after they went from being kind of this nebulous, not sure what they were going to do, to wonderful, mm-hmm. um, where they talked about um, wombats. <laughs> so <laughs> Griffin, yeah, they. Poop cubes. Griffin brought wombats because they're so great and so wonderful and they have hard butts that are <laughs> there to like attack and, and protect. And so they were just talking <laughs> about like how great wombats are as a concept. Um, and there's just a ton of different topics that they bring that just they're so incredibly varied. And like Rachel is a poet. Um, she went to, I believe, grad school for poetry um, mm-hmm. and now is writing, but not poetry in her career. And so she was started like, why not bring a poem? And so it was really great to hear her kind of dig up something that she obviously had a lot of experience in. And it sounds like she wasn't really getting an opportunity to read or express or discuss or whatever the case may be um, to just be able to kind of bring that back into her life. And, you know, Griffin talks about a lot of music, like cool new music that he found, like how Mm -hmm. Spotify's weekly playlists are just so perfect for him. And like they always bring new things. And it's just it's so great because, you know, they obviously their whole goal is to talk about things that are wonderful and positive, mm-hmm. but they also talk about things that are like super real. Like, you know, they have a new kid um, and I think they moved sometime in between and Griffin talks about how he sometimes struggles with anxiety and they're just super real about it. And they're just like, listen, like we're just living on this world and we're just going to try to surround ourselves with the things that are that like bring us joy. And like, <laughs> it's such a great podcast to listen to to just say like it's almost like a refresh button it's like yeah yeah you just get to say i'm just gonna put aside all the things that are stressing me out or all the things that might be wrong or difficult or challenging at this moment and just like think about how much i really do love coffee like it's such a simple (laughs) thing but they're like man that good good bean juice like the hot bean Bean juice juice. is so good and you're just like god the hot bean juice is so good my favorite part about the mcelroy's is just like the way that they talk about things and like refer to everything (laughs) as a boy which i kind of picked up from them and like that good 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 whatever yeah (laughs) good good obviously the uh adventure zone is quite different from the wonderful but mm-hmm. it is still led by griffin like he's the dungeon master and so he's creating this world around and you can you know y- you get the sense that he really does have a lot of it does bring him a lot of joy to do these things yeah. and to create the world and interact and so that's you know to be able to watch him create a world and then talk about the things in his everyday life that he really enjoys is just it's just a really positive thing in my life like it's just a really uh, positive influence um, and I think it's really great all right awesome well thank you Laura for bringing that positivity positivity 
already. Now we're gonna be going to fucking Ryan. I, I still haven't gotten my voice back from from my mind. So gonna go continue. To fucking Ryan. Merchburger. Fucking Ryan. Ryan can't talk shit about positivity since he's telling everyone to threaten people. Uh, hey, that's not. Well, I mean, that was a group effort. To be fair, that did bring a lot of positivity into my life yeah, at that too. moment, Ed, when I listened to it that again. That was possibly the most positive episode I've ever recorded. Yeah. The most positive threat has, that has ever once happened. That somewhat negative thing that. Colin did brought <laughs> yeah, I can't a lot of positivity he, in my life. I can't believe he actually left a voicemail. Like, he could have just hung up. He could have. But he didn't. <laughs> he did. All right, <laughs> right. Tell, tell me about this, uh, this right. thing you're talking about. So, like I said previously, I am bringing uh, the Dragonlance series of novels. Um, I'm going to talk specifically about the first uh, book that was um, brought up there. Um, so, Wizards of the Coast, nay, TSR's Dragonlance series. Um, mm-hmm. Which started with Dragons of Autumn Twilight, which was first produced in 1984. Um, the universe was created by Laura and Tracy Hickman. Um, so it's a little weird. Um, back in the 80s, the D&D folks were really trying to experiment with world creation. So uh-huh. this is both a world that you could play in. Like you could get source books and adventure books that took place in this world. But at the same time, they were creating a series of novels. Um, that were supposed to be kind of like how the world kind of came to be and like some of the major heroes that were in there and kind of mucking around and creating some of these other events that maybe you heard about in Legend in your game. Mm-hmm. Um, so the universe itself was created by Laura and Tracy Hickman. They're a married couple. And then was further expanded by Tracy Hickman and Margaret Weiss into novel. Um, the books came from a desire by the game designers to tell a more full story of the game world they're creating. Not just like, oh, this is why, you know, this is a mountain range over here. This is that. They wanted to tell like a personal story of how some of these things kind of came to be. Hmm. And TSR was not, they, they said yes, but you could tell they said that they were very tepid about it because they really wanted the stories to be coming from the people playing, not necessarily the people, right. Um, right. you know, making it it's supposed to be make your own adventure, not like, oh, here's how you should play. Yeah. Um, so what they did to kind of bring certain aspects of that into it. Instead of just writing up a story freehand of the things exactly like they wanted it, they used D&D as a literary tool and brought in a group of other, uh, mostly TSR employees and some friends, uh, to play characters in the story. For example, oh. uh, game designer Terry Phillips uh, was given the character Raceland. I mean, back in the day, a DM would just make a character for you and be like, hey, you're going to be a mage, you're going to be a ranger. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I kind of I mean, like that we're... idea, actually. I yeah. play a campaign <laughs> like that sometime where it's just like, fuck you, this is what you get, run with it. <laughs> The adventures were a lot more constructed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people would say they were on rails because it's a lot easier to manage. Uh, The DM only has to come up with one story and you can change things in the middle. But mostly, you know, he has plot points that you're supposed to be hitting. Mm -hmm. And they wrote that up similarly as well. Of course, they change things as as time goes on. But for example, um, uh, Terry Phillips character, Raceland, was kind of a generic mage when they first started. Well, when he was given the character sheet, it was a generic mage. He kind of turned it into this kind of twisted, crippled, dark, brooding character. That's Jesus actually become one of the more famous D&D characters and a lot of I would say a lot of representations of like spellcasters and other media have a little bit of basis in his representation. Oh wow. And it's really like I've read the books he's really good. He, you expect him to be like a, you know, a Gandalf type character, but he's not. He's complete opposite of Gandalf. He's very self-serving. He is a somewhat evil character, but he's willing to work with others to further his goal and to help his friends. <laughs> I have a really bad pun. Oh, what is your pun? Is he Gandon. 
he is Gandalf. <laughs> Fuck off. That's Wait, so good. Where's Chowder? <laughs> um, and then for some other characters, authors Gandalf. Gary and Janet Pack play Tannis and Taz, two other characters. Um, Douglas Niles play Taz. Flint, and that's, then a TSA. That stands yeah. for The Adventure Zone. Well, it's spelled Whoa. different. No, it's, it's not. Shut up. The full name is Tasselhoff, uh, like Hasselhoff. <laughs> That's um, funny. And then uh, a TSR employee named Harold Johnson played Sturm, another very famous archetypical kind of knight figure in the story. Um, they took these Archetype. very basic character backstories, fl- and then through playing them, really flushed out these characters. Okay. Mm-hmm. It took them from being something very basic to something very interesting and different and original. Yeah, that's definitely analogous and so much to so, a... I would say that, and you know, and with the books that came out afterwards, kind of explaining these characters and talking about these characters, I would say that their character types have become pretty archetypical. Um, you Archetypal? Go, I mean, everybody has played an evil I've got to talk about the extra syllable you're throwing into that word, right? Archetypical? Archetypal, isn't it? Archetypical. Archetypical? That just sounds so wrong. i got to Google this. I'm going <laughs> to... I could be wrong. I like archetypical, though. I just mean it's like it's... I think it's archetypal. I think it's archetypal. I hope so, since I just fucking put you on blast for it. We have had word debates on this show with us both. (laughs) I'll look it up. Yeah, it's archetypal. Google's just fucking straight up not working for me. Archetypal, yeah. Well, now I'm going to try type in archetypical to archetypical, see if that... Archetypical, yeah. An original model of type of which other similar things are patterned. It's a prototype. I typed in yeah. archetypical and it says, showing results for archetypal. Here's a wiktionary thing. It's the same thing, yeah. It's also the same thing as... Ar- it's archetype, but you add ickle to it. In yeah. the way of an archetype, in the way of an idealized, mo- idealized model or most represented. It's an objective. But it's, it's not... Schooled, son. No, it's... I'm typing in archetypical and it's putting red lines underneath it. What are you fucking looking at, right? <laughs> Right now. <laughs> I just googled it. It's it's on the freedictionary.com. It's on Wiktionary. I typed yeah, in is archetypical a word and Google says, did you mean is archetypal a word? It's also in the English Oxford Living Dictionary. It's I Spell think it, it for it me. Wrong. Spell it for me. A R C H E T Y P I C A L. I mean, yeah, archetypal That's is That's what I'm more, writing. Yeah, and I mean it also says did you mean archetypal, but there's basically the same thing i just like archetypical all right i'm sorry i'm sorry for putting you on blast go on you're welcome i'll, I'll strike a minute from the <laughs> you're what do you mean you're welcome I didn't you just got you learned I said, i'm sorry you tried to school me and i took you to class that's what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> but yeah isn't english great it is great um uh, but it doesn't really matter but they became the standard for which a lot of i think a lot of more recent characters are made um, mm-hmm. just because i mean honestly because the books were so prolific they wrote tons of these books and they were super popular especially in the mm-hmm. early 80s and like or late 80s early 90s um that everybody kind of based like oh i want to be an evil wizard everybody the previous to this gandalf was like the biggest wizard you would go off of that was like in a character that was right. an antagonist not a or it was a protagonist, not an antagonist. And things right, got a little right. bit different. And um, so the reason I wanted to bring up Dragonlance is because in a lot of ways, I think it has a lot in common with Taz, uh, especially since with Taz's recent transition t- uh, transition into comics. Um, yeah. If Dragonlance... Yes. If the games around Dragonlance were being played today, they would definitely be on a on a podcast. Um, there would be no way they wouldn't. These uh, The people that were playing these were the real powerhouses uh, from people from TSR and fantasy writing at the time. They're equivalent of like Mike Merles, Jeremy Crawford, and Chris Perkins of their time. And all of them in some form or fashion have had 
DM or not necessarily DM, but like game podcast and game streams and all this other stuff. They'd be super mm-hmm. popular and they are popular and they would have been popular back then and now. Mm. And I also think um, another big similarity that I think a lot of people pick up on for Griffin is that his storytelling style is very classic D&D. He has a very rigid, I mean, he does allow for certain muck about and weird things to happen but yeah Yeah. he definitely has a very prescribed story pattern that he wants his family to go through he has everything well written out and everything is from his point of view probably pretty well directed towards like this is your this is what you need to do you need to go this way i mean the wins losses all that stuff can happen but i mean even from like his fights his fights aren't really hard because he doesn't want his family to lose and to stop the story he wants the story to continue Mm -hmm. um i mean they're definitely updated because like he uses a lot of like modern sensibility <laughs> for his storytelling, um, and he uses a lot more new conventions. Like, Elevators. You know, he a ground, yeah, he does. <laughs> he does a Groundhog Day episode, which wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't have existed in right. before. Yeah, or, it's actually, definitely like he definitely changes the D and D world to be like a lot more modern in some ways. Yeah, like there is technology, there are robots, there, you know, like yeah, kind of interspersed weirdly throughout. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think they have share a lot of common. They're just kind of a you know. A couple of decades apart in a lot of ways. More. They're both. Uh, I think their aspect was trying to create a novel from a D and D game, mm-hmm. and I think it just kind of lined up for Griffin that his D and D game easily translated into a novel. Right. Um, yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. It, I think there's a combination I mean, of their popularity and his ingenuity and originality that kind of created this very synergistic effect that people wanted to after listening to it wanted to see what it looked like yeah we we can get into kind of like the the super positive elements of the story later but for now thank you ryan i think we're gonna move on over to the discussion With the fucking topic and the domain summarized, <laughs> we're going to be moving on to the discussion. Oh, fucking topic. <laughs> this That's is it. a fucking train I'm not going to talk about it. We, we've talked about it a number of times. It it only feeds him. Um, <laughs> you know what? This is pretty archetypical of you, oh Jeff. Oh, my God. Well, you know what? I'm going to cut that entire section out, so that joke will make no sense. <laughs> all right? Editor's note. Jeff isn't the editor anymore, so it all stays in. It'll make sense once they hear you say that. <laughs> They'll know that something was missing. Yeah, they'll know something was missing, but they won't know from when or what it was. They'll just know that it had something to do with the word archetypical. Maybe it's like the void fish. It'll come in and it'll remove uh, the ideas. That's so good. The editor is the void fish of this podcast. The editor is the void fish the whole time. Oh, that's good. You should drink their ichor. <laughs> I won't be drinking any ichor, thank you. The Forget natu- yeah, the natural conclusion existed. of that is we must drink ichor. <laughs> um all right uh we're yeah we're we're gonna discuss who's who's Um, editing this one who's the boy fish for this i am the boy we can just make fun of colin the entire time and he can't do anything about it true that is true the tyranny of colin uh, colin is over editor's note is it though colin is just wonderful yeah i agree colin is wonderful wonderful yeah that's what i thought about the whole time he was talking i just love him i am in love with colin he's pretty smart so touching yeah Right, so we, we've got kind of two different things that we're going off of here. We've got the positivity of the story and the story and sort of how it evolved over time and started as mm. pretty, you know, like pretty nothing characters that became more significant as it went along. 
Um, yeah, actually, I have something to say about that, if that's okay. Fucking hit me up, because I was about to Cute. just follow that Do sentence it. wherever yeah. it led. Well, uh, one of the things that they did um, kind of periodically throughout the balance campaign, and I imagine they'll probably do it for their current campaign too, but they would have like check-in episodes where they would just kind of talk about the story. The Adventure Zone Zones. Yeah, yeah, so the the Adventure Zone Zones. Um, And they discuss like the big events that happened that they weren't expecting to or like the decisions that were made. And so in one of the episodes, they were really talking about how the characters when they first started were just like they they were where they were like it was just yeah. a kind of base character not really fleshed out at all like they had like a little backstory but it wasn't that much and then you know magnus became magnus who rushes in and he literally just always runs towards everything and then that kind of created this character that i think he's supposed to be like pretty dumb but like really strong and so he just kind of runs towards yeah, he's danger he's supposed to be pretty dumb but is in most times actually smarter than he's the rest actually, of them yeah. <laughs> just because travis figures things out before they, like i think that canonically taco is supposed to be the smartest of the three characters yeah and i think that mostly he is but like they call magnus like oh big strong t- dumb guy a lot but magnus is like he's pretty, pretty smart. intelligent yeah <laughs> in the show <laughs> yeah i mean like that definitely i think relates to to dragon lance a little bit because it yeah sounded that's like, what i thought about the whole time he was talking it, it sounded like you know they started off doing this thing and the i what what's his name the creator uh, like one of the creators of D anD D who played the the mage character. I've already. Forgotten. Oh, well, he was a game designer. His name, I think, I believe that was. Oh, let me double check. I want to get his name wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, get my ass kicked up. Terry Phillips. Well, if we say his name two more times, he'll listen to exactly. the podcast. Terry Phillips. Terry Phillips. Terry Phillips. Terry oh my god! <laughs> welcome to the Comic Geek Program. Yeah, he was a game designer. I don't necessarily know if he was a game designer for TSR or not. I didn't say when I tried to research him, but he probably well, it, worked it for TSR. It sounded like in some he way. was trying to kind of like take their story and kind of fuck around with it and make sort of yeah. like a meme mm-hmm. character, and then it ended up evolving into something more significant. And I think that so, that's yeah. pretty like, especially when looking at like Taco. As a character, like oh yeah, Justin his name is Taco. His wizard Taco. <laughs> I don't care how it's spelled. Like that was like an all ultimate like fuck you. I'm not taking this seriously to Griffin right from the start. And like he did all these like memey things, and then it like it became like just these defining character traits. And as he fell in love with the character, he like retroactively retroactively came up with like psychological reasons that Taco would be doing all these things, and it just became like a more fleshed out character and at the very beginning he literally was like oh i'm gonna discover tacos and so he's like oh did i just discover ground beef and like that was an ongoing joke for the first uh story arc and then like totally fell off after he started really becoming the character but his sister loop is named after uh uh, Chalupa. Chalupa. Oh, and so Griffin brought that around. That. And the re- There was a couple reasons why he stopped the, the quest for Taco. One is that a lot of the art that what people were creating were putting, uh, was making uh, Taco Hispanic. And even though it happened in reverse, like he created this thing and then afterwards it was kind of made racist. He wanted to get rid of it as much as possible. That's why he won't mm. even say that Chalupa is, or Loop is based off Chalupa. Yes, he doesn't want it to be this kind of like race, like racism in reverse thing. That yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even know that aspect because I had only I only listened like I basically binged the series and and caught up, so I skipped mm-hmm. most of the the adventure zone zones except for like the last ones. It's it like that definitely embodies like I think what most people kind of want their D and D campaigns to be like is that these characters start off kind of paper thin and then yeah they 
the the players kind of fall in love with them over time and then like you know like i think like a common trap for D is to come up with a character who is like who's gone through too much at the beginning mm. of their adventure you know like everyone always thinks like oh yeah this person studied for years in this sanctuary and blah 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 right. and he's got all these character traits which i'm sticking to right and it's like okay but they're level one so that doesn't make any sense right. and b <laughs> like it's it's i think better to have your characters be a little bit more tabula rasa at the beginning so yeah. that like you make sure that the character's chemistry works together well and that they can grow over time yeah and that they can grow because like i know a big problem with like my D is with like the other members of this podcast is that We've had one or two where our characters just don't get along because we have these very different ideas. Like Eddie, Eddie Ryan's mm. campaign, all of our characters fucking hate each other and they're all like loner <laughs> assholes and it just doesn't fucking, like, th- it's fun, but it's like, it's sort of fun in spite of that and not because of that, you right. know? And, and, and like, I think that, you know, like the, the Trace Horny boys definitely have their disagreements, but at the end of the day, they sort of have this like, familial camaraderie which i think is also partially because you know it's they're actually family yeah <laughs> lord you have some some way you can kind of relate that back to wonderful wonderful yeah i, I think really just the joy that they obviously get out of playing D together and like growing these characters and really falling in love with them and like really reveling in their successes as if they're their own is very like has that same sense of exploration and positivity that wonderful does like wonderful Mm -hmm. is sometimes about saying like oh my favorite blanket is the best because this that and the other thing but sometimes it is really about like i learn a lot from there like uh, rachel one time when we were coming up to election season was talking about um like vote 411 which is this really great website run by the league of women voters and like it's about learning new stuff and reaching out and like enriching your own life and those the lives of those around you. And I just feel like the uh, the adventure zone is just such a great embodiment of that because they really obviously like they're a close family. They get along really well. They enjoy doing this campaign together. And like it is something that's brought them closer and given them this amazing community with like tons of artwork and these opportunities to write books. And like, it just all is Mm -hmm. such a positive influence to be creative and uh, funny and silly. And like, you know, sometimes it's sad and really emotionally intense, but like overall, I've had a couple crying points in that podcast, (laughs) especially in the last arc. Oh, the last arc was but yeah, it's so touching, but it's so touching. Yeah. Touching is a really good way of putting it. And like, the very beginning. So I, uh, full transparency, listened to the full campaign a long time ago and then just kind of restarted again recently. So my memories of it are most clear for the first arc. And man, mm. there be Gerblins is hilarious. I completely yeah. forgot that Davenport was like a Pokemon. Like I yeah. forgot that that was a thing that they said because he just said Davenport, Davenport. And I was just cracking up. Like, it's just something that they just, like, have a ton of fun with. And Did you just throw my dog into a fire? <laughs> and, like, they cast Charm Person on Clark. And then, like, you know, he's like, oh, can I get you some tea? Would you like yeah. some tea? Like, his whole oh. yeah. voice changes. And he becomes, like, this reoccurring character right. who just, like, shows up yeah. every so while. Who is it? The spider wizard? Or and, the like, uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. Yeah, the black oh, spider. Black sp- yeah. Oh, some adventurers that have wandered into my... Uh- 
web. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, I think especially in the earlier arcs too, like they are really just playing it for fun and less yeah. to like create an emotional story and like. And then it kind of evolves to be. It that. evolves yeah. like the characters because they do get so invested in them. But I don't know. I just think it's a wonderful podcast, and I think wonderful is a wonderful podcast and. <laughs> I have listened to almost all of the McElroy podcasts at this point, and like they're all just amazing, and I just love them. Just wonderful. And uh, so, Ryan, not, since we're on this positivity e- kick, is there anything that that like is overly positive about um, like the storytelling in Dragonlance, or is it mostly oh, just? Boy. That's a know, good question. I don't know. Um, the first book, yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it's a pretty, I mean, old school D&D was definitely tended more, not necessarily grim dark, but dark atmosphere. And at least in the, the story of the first book, it kind of takes these people from a world without gods. People are seeking for new gods. They're trying to figure out the world. And then a bunch of shit happens and their home is destroyed and they have to go on this long journey and they find some semblance of real like godly magic and it gets destroyed and they find another semblance of some magic and they find out like slowly gods are starting to come back to this world because it's at like the brink of destruction and hmm. i would say that sounds intense the, so it doesn't yeah, sound end... quite as uh tonally <laughs> comical as perhaps the adventure yeah. zone is <laughs> new um i mean there are some comical parts like there is a wizard named fizban who <laughs> is a bumbling fumbling wizard um, and he dies actually trying to cast oh, Featherfall. No. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but what actually happens, he casts it wrong, and he just creates a bed of chicken feathers. <laughs> but he, he he casts it the second he hits the pavement. <laughs> so oh it saves God. another character, but it kills himself. Wow. Um, Jesus. Uh, so there's kind of like funny stuff like that. But I think the overall story and the ending is pretty sweet. They're like, oh, we're finally in like in a good place. Like things... Like, gods are seeming to have, like, returned to the land. We have, like, healing magic now. Mm-hmm. Things are getting mm-hmm. better. We saved all these people. You know, evil, like, we have we have a real weapon to fight evil now. And, um, and I'm assuming nice. there's more darkness to come. I haven't actually gotten too far into the next book. I just started reading, uh, reading them recently. It's just the books that are, like, released. Like, there's no basically record of the the game that was actually played to... I'm sure there's probably somewhere in Wizard of the Coast archives there is probably like game notes or something like that and if i looked a little bit harder i could probably find stuff right but, but it's not like recorded or anything like that it was i it's don't just think like it was they, recorded there's probably only game notes that's kind of interesting though because like then you can kind of like assume game mechanics from certain things because like the thing you just described with like the wither the wizard actually casting the spell uh, spell wrong like probably was a critical fail like roll a one on the die right potentially yeah that that's another cool thing about the adventure zone right is that like not only is the story not solely griffins because he has to kind of like uh corral his his uh family but also like they do have to at least a little bit abide by the rolls of the dice right and have like horrible things happen if they're gonna happen and then like those end up being kind of significant story points at some point right yeah exactly like Merle gets a really bad role when he's like getting um, tempted by this thing, and then this the in the Crystal Kingdom, and it ends up crystallizing his arm, and then Magnus yeah. just decides to cut it the fuck off. Yeah. So like, boom! Merle only has one arm for the rest of the thing. Well, I mean, he gets like a a, a tree, tree arm. <laughs> so that that's kind of an interesting element of it is just like a sometimes 
like fate is writing the story or they have to like make up they have to kind of like roll with the punches in terms of like what fate hands to them um and that's yeah i mean that's that's a cool quality of it i I definitely don't have a way to shoehorn a connection to to uh wonderful (laughs) since it's not that's okay i think that's just such a great thing about D in general well i mean here's a here's a really awkward transition or combination between those you know fucking bring it D &D, like those roles and the fate is you know you never know what's really going to happen and like in wonderful they talk about things that are surprising and unexpected and all of a sudden it brings more unexpected no this is going worse than i expected <laughs> I say unexpected and wonderful enough times. Well, I mean, this is also an interesting thing, like story-wise, right? With the with the you know kind of fate happening and like the the role of the dice is that like for the story, it's more narratively interesting if sometimes things just do not fucking go well. You know, yeah, yeah I agree. So, and it's like, and I think that it's an important quality of doing like a real play thing, right? Because like they get attached to these characters, so. If it's all entirely left to their choice, like, of course, all of their favorite characters would probably live, right? And if they had chosen to let them die, then it would be their characters choosing, which would be horrible, right? So, like, to have these, like, tragic moments, like some, you know, deaths of characters, right, is, like, it's necessary to making the story kind of meaningful, but it's hard for them to actually be the ones to make that call. So it's that that kind of, like, brings an interesting element to it, because, like, D&D really imposes kind of real life chance yeah. onto these stories, which I well, think is interesting. Not to like completely stray off of my domain and also our current topic, but it really, for some <laughs> reason, I can't stop thinking about in, uh, I also listen to and watch Critical Role. And in their oh, first yeah. campaign, there's a moment where one of their strongest allies essentially gets lost at sea. And like they, he, so, you know, one of the characters was like, no, like I'm looking, do I see them? Do I see them? And he's like, roll a perception check. And she rolled a natural 20. And he was like, you see them out in the distance. And it was a huge turning point in the story because uh, she's like a huge, very powerful mage who, you know, comes back later in the story to help them defeat all these you know huge dragons and everything but mm-hmm. you know sometimes it's that really bad things happen like your characters die off and sometimes it's you roll that natural 20 on something that a hundred percent changes if someone lives or dies and all of a sudden you get your main characters back and you get to keep your allies um yeah, and it's, yeah i just I, really no, love I, dnd <laughs> i had a, no, I had I a great dnd moment where like there was a character in our party who like consistently kept doing like stupid things that would almost get her completely killed right and there was like she was she was like um we were doing an evil campaign and she was uh, a cleric for lolf the like evil spider god or whatever (laughs) and one of the zealots is like tempting her to like jump off this building which is like 40 feet high or something or it's like 40 stories high right and for for some reason she was just like i'm gonna do it Right. And she falls down on the ground and our DM is just like, okay, you fall and you die. Like, I'm not <laughs> making you roll for that. And then one of the other people on our campaign who is, um, I guess, I don't remember what, I think he was a warlock, but he had like some ties to Cthulhu. He was like, I'm going to try to resurrect her by praying to the Lord Cthulhu. And he rolled a natural 20. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so then there was this whole interesting dynamic for the rest of the campaign where this other player in our, our, in our party, was like 
torn between which gods she was worshipping mm. because Lol fucking failed her and Cthulhu brought her back to life and it was like this crazy Oh that's really cool. Yeah, it was it was I wish that got explored a little bit more, but it was yeah. it was a very cool element of the campaign. But like, you know, it was like sometimes those natural ones and those natural twenties even twist the DMs uh you know, hands. Yeah. It was like, well, yeah. you, you gotta make it positive or you gotta make it really bad, you know? Yeah. And, uh, God, I yeah. love D&D. It's so it's good. So we, should good. Play, we should just play D&D <laughs> yeah. right now. We should Wait, play D&D. Podcast, I need man. to reload this. I'm playing a campaign with some of uh, Charles' friends, actually, or his best friend is DMing it. And mm-hmm. we played last week or two weeks ago. I don't remember. And I rolled so many natural 20s. And I'm a level five fighter now. So I was doing double attacks. So I get two attacks <laughs> oh, per yeah. turn. And there were literally four separate turns where I killed <laughs> two people per turn that's wild. four times in one night it was amazing yeah i've seen three natural 20s rolled in a row by the same person damn yeah um, that's awesome right, well, we are we are getting to the time of the podcast where i would like to bring up uh that we have a listener question and the Yay! listener in, listener in question i believe is in fact the listener who submitted our topic jonas Hassan. uh ryan you want to you want to pitch that question on over to us and we'll do our best to answer it archetypically you'd be correct oh um, that doesn't make any sense <laughs> it really doesn't, doesn't. <laughs> that doesn't make that was the most how you tried real hard that was worse than my uh i don't know if anything was actually worse than that his his serious question is uh griffin plays calvin ball with the rules to write a story that has won a new york time well i don't know if it's, he earned a new york times bestseller um yeah how do you draw the line for storytelling versus playing by the rules all right i gotta, yeah. I gotta pitch that yeah. one to you guys first and then i'll throw yeah. my hat kind of at the end there uh ryan i think we've been hearing a little bit more from laura so why don't you start us off get get them good first dibs on this question it's a really hard line it really depends on the people you're playing with and the dm like the the, the dm guide actually has uh, talks about it there's something called the rule of cool if it's fun and it doesn't destroy your campaign just let him do it mm. yeah um and i think griffin he does that but i mean like his dad clint he doesn't really <laughs> understand like he like i don't know he, maybe he, tries, he just tried but... to cast all the spells he's like do you yeah. even know that spell he's like what do you mean <laughs> i think i think because uh griffin doesn't really enforce a lot of rules a lot of thought still just kind of slides by yeah. So, like, there was a little thing a while ago that they pretty sure that Travis was cheating almost the entire time. Um, <laughs> because his roles were just, like, unnaturally yeah. good. Somebody did a statistical analysis of his roles, and they found out he was fudging probably more than 60% of the time. Oh, damn, that's a lot. Um, like, a lot. Uh, but, so, I think it's okay because everybody's into it. Like, I think if he had been a rules Nazi, which I've played games with it, it's not necessarily a terrible thing to have everybody playing on the same rules. It, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a great equalizer, but if everybody is down with like, oh, let's just break this story and see what comes from it, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty cool. And D and D is always about the satisfaction of everybody at the table. If everybody's happy with what's happening and they're enjoying what's happening, then why worry about the rules? The Adventure Zone was the first real exposure that I had to D and D, like ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, <laughs> shortly after I started listening, Charles and I were rolling characters for something, and he was like, "Oh, what spells do you want to take?" I was like, "So." truth <laughs> and he was like that's a really stupid spell i was like no you don't understand it's a terrible spell uh, <laughs> anyway that's not what i meant to start with but um 
So I started with the Adventure Zone, which obviously, as we've discussed, is uh, pretty loose with the rules. And then Charles kept on saying, like, you have to watch Critical Role, you have to watch Critical Role, you have to watch Critical Role. And I finally started watching Critical Role. And Matt Mercer, I mean, I think there are times when he lets things slide, but like, they have to have their spell components. He's like, Mm -hmm. wait, like, do you have a diamond worth a thousand gold to do this thing and like it was it was so different and i think that ryan is right that it really kind of depends on the dm and the characters that are playing like i think yeah. that if griffin had been a rules nazi it would have been super boring and it would not have played well because it started out kind of as a comedy yeah um but if you're watching critical role and you're watching all these things like matt has this unbelievable ability to say you know you're like oh i want to do this spell and he's like oh do you have a diamond worth a thousand gold and they're like no and he's like he is able to just immediately say, like, you reach into your bag, you know, desperate to make sure that you can save your coworker or your friend, you're like, your, your love and like in desperation, you find that you don't have anything. And he just weaves this amazing story. And so mm-hmm. I think he's got the ability to make the rules flow really well. Yeah. Um, and I think if you can do that, the rules are great because they give you a lot of structure in which to explore the world better. It's almost like having a um, like a scaffold. Like, yeah. The higher your scaffold goes, the higher you can go. Um, but at the same time, like they just started the Adventure Zone to have fun and to be a family. And I think that yeah. for that context, it was exactly what it needed to be. Like, I don't think they needed the rules. Yeah. And I, it's just to add my own opinion on that, I think that like there are times when maybe I think that Griffin goes a little bit too easy on them and like that yeah, starts yeah. to bother me. <laughs> but like also like in terms of the adventure zone, it's not just like, I mean, of course it's about like them having fun around the table, but it's also like they need to tell a good story. So sometimes if the rules get in the way for that, since like they're, you know, giving it out to the public, sometimes the rules get in the way with that. Like you just gotta, you gotta power through, uh, power through them. Cause I think that like yeah. the way that he kind of breaks the rules is more just like, letting them do incredible things more often than they ought to and right way that, and like, not the actual... necessarily rolling for it right yeah and yeah. as opposed to like you know making the threats less real you know what yeah. i mean like yeah. he, he yeah. basically well, just like he ups the power that they all have because like you know w- when you know if you know some of the spells that they do like they just don't do a lot of the things that they have them do in the adventure zone and they're like they just make them like super OP. So like if you were playing it on a strategic way, like there's a lot of things that they could be doing to sort of max their, yeah. you know, their damage output that would just make it really boring. But since they're all committed to making it an interesting story, like I think that, it, you know, they definitely don't always choose the thing that's in their best interest. And they and they yeah. they're all very committed to not metagaming. Right. So yeah. I think that in that sense like i don't i don't think it doesn't really bother me much yeah. at all that they that they kind of go against the rules sometimes you know That's in the way that move to uh the new system is probably good because it's, yeah. it's much more loose and they can kind of mm. play around with it without breaking anything i have some right. feelings about that we could talk about it later though yeah we <laughs> there, we, could thought, talk, yeah. <laughs> we could have a whole another episode about amnesty but uh <laughs> but amnesty it, it's so good i love it um but, i do <laughs> i do too i just find that the rules of monster of the week take me out of the story a lot yeah and the rules of D just like flow more naturally you're like oh roll a deception check and it's dead like roll plus cool and you're like oh, yeah but <laughs> it's it's what also weird because cool? like sometimes like they make decisions that are like that wouldn't be decisions that their characters could be making like oh choose a positive mm-hmm. effect like 
you get one of these things right. to happen, and it's just like, oh, he gives you the information you want, and it's just like, but you as a person, like in this situation, yeah. wouldn't choose that. Whereas D and D's rules are all definitely in the terms of like you are trying to do this, and this is. But whereas, like, anyway, we, yeah, we could talk yeah. about it another time, but <laughs> another podcast. Uh, we'll reconvene. From where we are now. Uh, <laughs> if you want to submit any of your own questions or comments that might be read on the show, we make weekly posts on Facebook and Twitter, and uh, yeah, just. If you comment on there, then we'll probably fucking talk about it because it's it's always nice to to kind of get some outside perspectives to our little discussions here. But um, yeah, I think that's probably a good place to move on to the ratings, eh, boys? Cool. Uh, yes, I'll be right back in like yep. two minutes. Okay. All right, Jeff. Uh, who we do you want get to call our... up uh, to do a bomb threat to? Oh my god. <laughs> Okay. Well, that that conversation for sure is getting cut. Uh, thank you both <laughs> for a very positive and interactive discussion. You see what I did there? Oh, uh, good. Now we're going to be moving on to the ratings, and we'll begin by having our representatives rate the topic on a scale from one to five. I could do grand relics, but there are eight of them, so that feels weird to do a one mm. to five, you know? Yeah. One um, to five trace horny boys. <laughs> that doesn't make it confusing. <laughs> I can do one to five Davenports. Uh, <laughs> Davenport, Davenport. Davenport, Davenport. He's just going to be a fucking Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. I mean, one to five Davenports, I think, is where we're going to go for this one. Great. Um, uh, yeah, Laura, hit me up. How do, you, how do you feel about the Adventure Zone balance campaign? Um, I fucking love the Adventure Zone. It's just so good um yeah i listened to it when i was commuting mostly to and from the city and so my train ride was about an hour and a half each direction and so i would get to listen to two episodes a day sometimes more um and it was just like must have been real sad when you caught up it was yeah (laughs) (laughs) um it just was like such a bright point in my day uh and i started to listen to the campaign again recently and I just forgot like how hilarious it was and how ridiculously bad they were at D and D. And I can't yeah. wait to continue to listen and like hear them grow. Um, anyway, all that to say, I have to give the Adventure Zone Balance Arc five Davenports out of five. It is one Damn. of my favorite pieces of media. I just started reading the graphic novels. I pre-ordered the second one. Like it's, I just love it. All right, I appreciate that, uh, Ryan. How do you feel right now? I got a pretty hot take. Extremely different. It's original. (laughs) (laughs) It's a five out of five Davenport. (laughs) 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 I I super love the the Adventure Zone. I um, it is weird because I think I started listening to the Adventure Zone early in my journey with D and D, and now going back and sometimes listening to older episodes or when they do a special episode, like they tend to do like holiday episodes with. I love the the holiday episodes. Did you listen to Um, the most recent one? Sorry, not important. I have. Yeah, it's It's so good. I really liked it. Me too. Um, but it is weird, especially since I DM a lot. Just like sometimes I have to remind myself that they're, it's not d d It's just the Adventure Zone because it's yeah. like, yeah. that's not how that spell works. <laughs> no, <laughs> like incredulousness. Um, that's not super necessary. Um, right. But yeah, I, I love listening to it. I thought I think Griffin's ability as a storyteller is like off the charts great. 
Yeah. Um, and I think he crafted something really fun and interesting. And I, I, I mean, I listened to their other podcasts, uh, especially Mabim Bam, mm. and I love their humor. So it was like a perfect transition over to something that I also loved, which is like D&D and fantasy games and stuff like that. So yeah. Hell yeah. Five Davenport. And speaking of Davenport, do you remember the one time he touched a Grand Relic? And for a second, Griffin was like, do I make him go evil? And then was like, no, 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 he's too, he's too much of a good boy. <laughs> that would have been he's epic. such a good boy. I didn't even realize till like really late in the game that he was a gnome. I'd completely forgotten. <laughs> I just thought he was like a guy. Um, it's almost like Garfield, the deal, deals were deals like, not very much described in physical terms. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so since this was, in fact, a uh, user pick episode, I will also give my opinion on the Adventure Zone, and I'm going to have to agree with what these guys had to say. Five oh, out of damn. five Davenports for the Adventure Zone. It is so fucking good. Um, like, every... Th- like, there's not a dull arc, you know? Yeah. Like, mm. all of them have their own interesting things that are going on. Um and yeah, I mean, I, I love the new stuff and I love balance and I, I think that it it, and it it ended in a beautiful way and it's it's kind of hard Ugh, for things that yeah. go on for a while to have a good ending nowadays, you know, like it, so it's, it's <laughs> it really touching yeah. when no. something that goes along for so long yeah, has a really satisfying ending you know, and there's only like a few other pieces of media that I can think of that like really do that for me, um, but yeah so 5 out of 5 uh, so before we move on to the Gold Star Student award uh being given out uh i I just i got one question that i want to ask from you guys just because it probably should have happened in the discussion but i forgot about it and now i just kind of want to know who's your favorite character in the adventure zone both of trace honey boys and overall Hmm. that's a really hard question personally for me of the three of them i think that like magnus really strikes like the most chords with me and like i i really like how his character grew and like how in some cases travis was taking things a bit more seriously than the other than the other two. i would say <laughs> angus the boy yeah. detective angus angus the boy is really detective great. is also i think probably my favorite like character not of the three and then magnus would be my character my favorite character of the three i think actually taco might be my favorite character and a lot of it has to do with his voice which sounds Sounds kind of dumb, but like <laughs> I, he just like says the most ridiculous things. That he's just like, "All right, boys, I'm out." Like I don't know, that was a terrible example, but he's he's great. He's great. <laughs> I think Doc is my favorite. All right, fun stuff. I'm I'm happy to hear that from you because you know, it's just I don't know. I was just curious. Anyway, uh, and it, that was really meant to stall me to help me stall to think of a gold star, but I just wasn't really thinking about it while we were, I was listening to that. So <laughs> next, we're going to be moving on to the gold star student, where I'm going to be giving the gold star to the person who I think contributed best to this episode. Um, gosh, the gold is it just tra- going to be a gold star? No. Or are you going to you going to come up? With it? I'm th- I'm thinking. All right, all right. We're, we're oh, the, the wheels are turning. Okay, I, I, the things that I've thought of so far is the golden light of creation, but I think that's kind of boring. Mm. Um, golden, the golden Trace Garfield, Horny Boys. The, the, the Garfield I'm the not, Deals Warlock. I am just 100% not making the gold star something that literally cannot be put into an image. Like, <laughs> you know what it what looks like. What about the ball that they travel in? The golden transport ball? Oh. Uh, mm. Nah. Yeah. I think I'm going to do... I, I think I'm going to go with Golden Trace Horny Boys. Uh, <laughs> just the, the, the main crew. You know? <laughs> They're fun. Um... So, yeah, and, and the Golden Trace Honey Boys this week is, I think, going to be having to go to the wonderful Laura Kramer. Ah, uh, I think that both of you guys did really well in this episode, and 
you you both brought a lot to the discussion, but uh, Laura helps me kind of steer the discussion on early in, in the game. And, Are you saying and, that trying to get you calling bomb threats was not productive to this podcast? <laughs> that had absolutely nothing to do with you it. You see, you're trying to make a podcast yet. I'm trying to make a listener experience. <laughs> I mean, I feel like even... And either you can get on board, or since you're kind of in charge of this podcast, I don't know what to make you do. <laughs> you're you're you going to call a bomb me. threat to the Comic Geeking program, <laughs> and it's going to a blocked number. Hi, oh, this is definitely not Ryan Mossberger. <laughs> uh, I'm bomb threading the Comic Geeking program. Make all their bomb threats or else... <laughs> Thank you for making that audio. I'm that was my strip that out. And that was my that. impression of Ryan making a fake voice. Uh, and, that was beautiful. You know, I really couldn't. Thank do you. It wrong Thank you for that. It just had to not sound like Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Oh, well, man. congratulations, Laura, on your face horny boys. I had a lot of fun this episode. Yeah, congrats. But Me too. This is gonna about wrap it up. So thank you, you guys. Are, you winning is pretty wonderful. Aw, hey. thanks. That was a really good tie-in. Thank you guys for, uh, well, thank you guys for participating in the Comic Geeking Program. And thank you guys for listening to the Comic Geeking Program. That's right, you. Yes, you. Uh, I am Me? your host. No, not you. I mean, oh. I guess maybe you in like a few weeks, but not you <laughs> in the present. Uh, I am your host, again, Jeff Levitt. And you can find me on Instagram. I've got an Instagram. It is uh, things I wish existed. And there's a dot between each word. Uh, I exist on Facebook and YouTube just as my own name. Um, but yeah, n- not really much happens there, to be totally honest. And again, I've been joined by... I've been Laura Kramer. And, uh, and I don't are. really have a lot of social media going on. This is true. Ryan, tell me about that espionage. <laughs> I'm Ryan Mossberger, and you can find me... Whoa. I'm the rustling in your closet. Just literally I am not the true. Weird sound that uh, happens when you try to pull out your drawer. Wow, and you are fucking. Work. It's because I'm stuck there. Oh god, you're, you're stealing I'm also available. shtick right now. I appreciate. It. <laughs> I'm I'm also available on Twitter at Ryan underscore M O S S B. Um, and you can read about three tweets of me accusing celebrities of putting stuff in their butt. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> All right, and uh, next week, uh, our podcast will be hosted by Laura. Tis me. What's going to, what are are you guys going to be talking about? I actually don't know. Um, So I'm going to have the crew watch the Oni Plays, uh, the Lord of the Rings DOS game. Are you? Yeah. What? (laughs) Sounds good. Oh, shit, I want to be on that. I love Oni. It's so Uh, good. Have you watched the Oni Plays Grand Theft Auto video? No, I really It's so funny. Watch it right after this. I will. But we're doing the Lord of the Rings one, uh, the DOS game, Lord of the Rings, which is fucking hilarious um and we are talking about uh reinterpreted media because it was actually a video that was basically just sound and then somebody ended up animating it and it's based on a text game so there's a lot going on with the change in that but it is hilarious it's on youtube check it out it's gonna be a good time all right and that episode will be airing on the really wow jesus the, the 18th of January. That's a while from now. I mean, no, it's oh, not. That makes me feel better week. about my delayed. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> scheduled a recording date yet. <laughs> Laura, trust me, compared to the last five episodes, <laughs> there is no delay coming from you. Episodes 93, 94, and 95 all recorded two weeks late. Oof. Each. Jeez. Yeah. Oopsie and, daisy. Um, 
yeah, I still have to edit uh, my half of episode 95, which is uh, due this Sunday. Okay. Um, <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. Like, today, Colin messaged Chowder and I. He's like, hey, how is the edit for episode 94 going to be done? And Chowder's like, oh, I'll have it done by 8 p.m. And we're like, <laughs> and I'm just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. I'm so fucking happy that we're going bi-weekly. Yeah. That will probably be edited out because I don't know if we've made that announcement yet. But maybe that's probably the first not. time we're making that announcement. <laughs> I don't know. I'll talk with Colin about whether to leave that in or not. We're going to be going yeah. bi-weekly again pretty soon. Uh, that yeah. doesn't sound fun. That's not like a fun way to announce it. I'll probably edit this out. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it. Anyway, we'll that, do a fun that, one, that episode's yeah. going to be airing on the 18th of January, a week from today. So, where am I in this outro read? Jesus. Be sure to tune in for that and follow us <laughs> on Facebook and Twitter at Geeking Program. Any engagement such as sharing a post, tagging us, or tweeting hashtag G- CGP will enter you into a raffle where you, yes, you, get to pick the topic for a future episode just like this one. Hooray! Be like Jonas Hassan and pick an episode. You cool. remember that meme from like a year ago where it was like... Oh yeah, be like Bubba. Or don't yeah, be like be, Bubba. It was like, this person does this, this person does this. Be <laughs> like this person. It was like a shitty stick figure. I don't know really a single person description who actually of a like, meme. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know a single person who actually enjoyed that meme, but every time I'm like, you know, be like this Next person, time I think about bad it. meme description. <laughs> it does like Bob tips his waitress well. Be like it's Bob. It's a meme. Everyone's seen it. I don't have to describe it. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, it, it, it's I like these these listener pick episodes because it kind of you know it, it it sometimes we get thrown a curveball and we got to roll with the punches and. And sometimes we get to talk about something we really love. And yeah. um, I'm going to, you sure. know, they're fun. So do those things to help us get out there. And we'll help you get out there into our world that exists, supposedly. <laughs> a little bit sexual. Just I mean, can't and it, I'll help though. you get out there. I'll help you get out there. <laughs> get us off and we'll get you out. <laughs> what? Um, reviewing us on Apple Podcasts is a critical help to growing our show. And we'll read new reviews on the air. Fuck, do we have any? I doubt it. Mm, not that I can Laura, tell. Check. No? Right, not that Laura can tell. Nope. No. Okay, cool. Anyways, oh, thank no, we you. have a million. There's just too many to read. Too oh, many to read. True. Yeah, we'll pick one at random next week because we're too overwhelmed by the incredible amount of support we're getting at the, at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening, subscribing, sharing anything that you do for us. Oh, God, this got to end. And we'll talk to you <laughs> next week. Bye. <laughs> All right, bye. This episode of the Common Geeking Program is hosted by Jeff Levitt, who has been joined by Laura Kramer and Ryan Mossbarger. This episode is sponsored by my unlimited editing power. My tyranny shall last until the end of our weekly airing, which, as you've heard, is going to stop soon. The podcast is created and produced by Colin Ketchin and Jeff Levitt, with this episode edited by Not Jeff Levitt. Suck on them apples. Uh, We will be back in one week with a nice talk about a Let's Play Lord of the Rings DOS. I'm so excited to hear more about this because I am not in the know. So tune in next week just like I will. And in the meantime, thank you for listening to this.
All right, Jeff, uh, who do you want to call up uh, to do a bomb threat to? Um, I've got oh my the God. for, oof, what is this? That's the White House. I got DOD. <sighs> I got Chick-fil-A. I thought that'd be fun because Oscar Mayer <laughs> Chick-fil-A. Um, I did find a Burger yeah, of King course, in Chick-fil-A Fredericksburg, and Virginia Meyer, that'd be willing the, to take the, your uh, bomb the threat. The most well-known <laughs> rivals in all of the food industry. <laughs> Uh, let's see what else I found. I got a quick oh, list Christ. here. This is interesting. <laughs> Something a little saucy. How about Taco Bell? <laughs> Taco or Chipotle. Bell spelled, you spelled could do with Chip- two A's. I have Chipotle's number. It's a Chipotle in uh, in D- Washington D.C. Interesting. Oh my God. And it's uh, I found the Taco Bell number for the uh, the mall that's across the street from me. So you could I hear call Laura both. talking to you, Alexa. You could call both at the same time. Oh that'd be an interesting little little conversation right there. You have to choose one. I don't have to choose. <laughs> Does it really work if it's not you and Laura trying to get me to uh, to give this bomb threat? Oh, damn it. She's back. Now it can happen. Nope. We're not. What did I miss? Who are we calling? Nothing. We're not calling so it's, anyone. It's, I think we should get him to call both a Chipotle and a Taco Bell and threaten oh. to burn one of them down and see I'm if the other one takes his side. Wait, what about... A- the Burger King is where is it if you're at a McDonald's parking if you're in a McDonald's oh and you order Burger King you get it for a dollar or whatever yeah I forgot about that yeah that's so baller but yeah yeah I, okay but the significant difference is that Oscar Mayer literally asks people to <laughs> to give fake calls to their fucking I'm not com- I'm not gonna go threaten a real company and get arrested by the fucking FBI or something are you saying <laughs> that Oscar Mayer is not a real company. That is not what I said at all. Get out of here. What? That's 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 harsh. They make wieners and wiener accessories and everybody loves it. <laughs> okay. Well that that conversation for sure is getting cut. Uh thank you both. 